0: Radio Influence.
1: Dot com.
0: Welcome into the midweek edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. As of course, as always, I'm joined by my guy Daniel Galvan, as we're here to break down everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Got a ton of things to get to this week. We have got UFC 297 going on Saturday night here in my home state of Florida, down there in Miami. Also, we're going to talk about uh, yeah, some quick hits on what happened in last week's mixed martial arts action. Kayla Harrison has some pretty interesting comments during her appearance on the MMA Hour. Plus, David Feldman, the man who runs BKFC, had a very interesting statement about Francis in Ghana, which well. Maybe not surprising, but we'll get into that. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download and listen to this episode Podcast. Of course, a great way to share your support for podcasts. Leave a rating or review. If maybe this is your first time checking this out, if you hit that subscribe button on the podcasting platforms or on YouTube, really would appreciate that. But uh, Daniel, like like you always say this, you say, you know what? It can be Sunday. And we kind of know what we're going to talk about, but a lot of crap can happen before we get to Wednesday. And uh, well, Monday, our, you, know, you your world's kind of intersect here with the professional wrestling and MMA world. Of course, we all know what kind of went down here on, on Monday. Of I, If I would have said 10 years ago, Vince McMahon and Dana White are going to be in business together, I don't think I would have believed you.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would either, especially when you think back to the Brock Lesnar drama when Undertaker was at the UFC show. But, man, the one thing I've learned over the last six years is, well, anything in this crazy world is possible, Jason. And, uh, yeah, I tell you what, this is the podcast to listen to if you want to get Vince McMahon, WWE Endeavor Thus, There are a few people – that love MMA and pro wrestling as much as me. That don't get paid by any of the organizations involved. So I'll give you my unfiltered opinion about two things I love very much. Okay, wait. First off,
0: is there no one around Vince McMahon and go, "Hey Vince, you look creepy."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that honest to God, his new look is emblematic of why it's troubling. Well, it's troubling to have Vince McMahon as a leader in your organization in the year 2023, because of two major reasons. The most important reason is because of his sexual misconduct. He was gone from the WWE as former professional wrestler Lance Storm said he wasn't on vacation when he was gone. (laughs) He, uh, It came to light that he settled several um, situations where he had relationships with people within the company, which is a big no-no if you are superior and they are not on your level. In addition to that, there's also a former referee in the 80s, Rita Chatterton, who has accused him as a man of sexual assault. That's a big reason why he shouldn't be a leader in your organization. Obviously, Um, Endeavor doesn't have a problem with their leaders having poor history with women. The second biggest reason is that there is no one in Vince's inner circle that is honest with him and it's on his face right above his lip, his mustache. If there was somebody in his inner circle that was honest with the man like, hey, man, this storyline sucks. Hey, man, maybe Cody Rhodes should win the championship. You know, maybe a thousand days with a heel champion isn't good for business. Hey, maybe we shouldn't have Cody get beat up by Brock. Hey, man your mustache is stupid. He should have someone that lets him know he looks like an effing joke. Every single video on TikTok, on YouTube with a man talking on CNBC about this deal. The top 40 comments are about how dumb he looks with his mustache.
0: Yeah. When I saw that, I saw the CNBC video. I'm like, is there no one in Vince's circle? That's like, Hey Vince, man, um, this ain't a good look, bro. This, this look does not work for you. But like, like as you know and I'm taking some content what people have said you know and to me I think the big my biggest takeaway from what we've seen over the past couple of days is talking about what Endeavor says the UFC is valued at right now in 2023. They bought that company for 4 billion dollars, Daniel. They're saying it's now worth 12 billion. All I got to say is UFC fighters, has your contracts gone up in that type of evaluation? since Endeavor took over? Well, I know the answer to the question. The question's no. The, your contracts have not gone up. I mean, you remember, what was it, like a couple of years ago when uh, someone asked Dana, hey, would you raise the bonus point? Oh, that's not our budget.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, he's right. It's not in their budget. And that's because they made the budget. <laughs> and the budget includes them getting a lot of profits. The good thing for the UFC is that Unlike so many of the other properties that Endeavor owns, WWE is going to make them a lot of money. It's a very successful entity. You know, During the pandemic, a lot of those properties that Endeavor owned were struggling majorly because they really needed that live event business to make money. WWE makes a whole crap ton of money with their television deals. Live sports is literally the one thing that has still made money on TV. WWE will continue to do so and it will make Endeavor a lot of money. That's a good sign. If you're a professional wrestler, you got to be concerned though, because professional wrestlers make a lot more money than UFC fighters. I can tell you that practically every main roster WWE wrestler does make six figures on their contract. That's not the case in the UFC. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that, and we were talking about this before the show started, like if I was a WWE performer that had a contract coming up, I would be a little concerned. I would be concerned about, and also another thing, and me and you were talking about this earlier today, like think of someone like a Gable Stevenson that not that long ago, let's just be honest about it, he was trying to leverage the WWE and the UFC against each other. For, so for an amateur wrestler who may be like a Gable Stevenson type level competitor, all of a sudden, you really don't have leveraging contract negotiating more when, you know, the biggest professional wrestling organization and the biggest mixed martial arts organization are owned by the same company. And oh yeah, they're now the same company overall.
1: Endeavor better hope that AEW stays afloat. Because when you talk about the big monopoly word, <laughs> AEW saves their butt. But you take out AEW in this country, Endeavor now owns an incredible piece of the combat sports pie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and, and you're right to, to bring up Gable Stevenson. This is a completely random anecdote, but I just got to thinking about it. I just, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. Do you see fighters make a cut out of the video game that they're in?
0: I don't believe yeah. so. I don't believe that,
1: so. That is one thing UFC fighters should look into because that's actually a crap ton of money. That's actually, uh, wrestlers make a lot of money from WWE out the video game. I just randomly thought of that. I would be interested if that's the case, but if if you, that's a part where fighters are getting screwed majorly, and I don't know how much that's been covered, but the amount of money these people make out video games is insane, and WWE wrestlers make a good money out of being in video games and, and fighters sh- should be entitled to that. Um, complete side note. And I'm pretty sure they don't get paid for the video game if I had to guess, but that's just my guess. Anyways, moving back to, to uh, Endeavor WW UFC, um I got to ask you, Jason, what real effects do you think this will have to the UFC product? If any,
0: I don't think there's really any effects on, I, on either brand. I mean, I think we'll see, we'll see cross promotion advertising on both WWE products and UFC products. I mean, I, I would see, you know, for instance, that you know when there's a, a big UFC pay per view that probably that week, like on a SmackDown and a Raw, we're going to see you know UFC, you know, some type of cross promotion, vice versa. You know, like when it's uh, one of the you know big Temple premium events for WWE, I think we're going to see stuff on, on UFC programming. You know, I think what will be very interesting in And I started to think about this last weekend when I was like, I know it's WrestleMania, but there really was a lot of coverage on ESPN. And I do wonder if maybe this is being kind of eventually that it's really, when we talk about the UFC um, media rights that are coming up, and we know that WWE's got some media rights coming up as well, is ultimately is is it going to be a package deal where if you want the UFC, you got to get the WWE and, and vice versa?
1: That's a very interesting deal. I don't think that's the case because that would be an absurdly expensive deal. I mean, you look – that. Would, I mean, dude, that would be a ginormous deal for, for just one entity to distribute it. I mean, you look at like uh, the NBA, that's a big package, but they're going to split it up either by two or three networks. You know, WWE splits up Monday Night Raw's on USA, and right now SmackDown's on Fox, Jason. I would be really stunned if they sold the UFC and WWE in one deal. I actually don't know if there's an organ, if there's a, a, a place that would be willing to spend that much money on that total package. I mean, maybe you know Amazon Prime. You know Jeff Bezos just says, "Screw it, here you go." But man, it, it's really the the UFC and ESPN deal has been really fruitful. And if I'm the UFC and I'm looking at who I want my television partner to be. ESPN is the first, and the only other option I would be looking at is Turner on TV. I think Turner is a great partner for them. But in terms of being on a place where casual people watch, that's why the sport isn't a healthy point, I think, because of the ESPN deal. I, I don't believe that the UFC has gone in three times in value since Endeavor bought it, which is, I guess, what they're valuing it as, uh, if their numbers are correct. But it it, it has really, uh, UFC has really done well over the past, you know, since the pandemic. The UFC has has exploded. You know, uh, you, you don't have a lot of mega superstars, but it's consistently people are giving a crap about the pay per views.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that if we're if we look at any sport that was able to, you know, maximize their their viewership during COVID it was the UFC. And, you know, you talk about ESPN and clearly ESPN is the best place to be. I mean, there's going to be some other, you know, what we talk about, Amazon, Apple. There's going to be other ones that are going to make a run there. But like if you want to look at what the power of ESPN is. PFL had their first season event last Saturday night and they got to, they averaged 271,000 viewers. And that's a great number for the PFL. When you're talking about, you know, yes, you had a Marl Moraes, you had a Bren Laughlin people that cash uh, your, your true mixed martial arts fan knows, but like, they're not like, I'm not going to walk into a bar. Okay. The only, like the bar I go to one of the bartenders would know who those two guys are because he's a fighter. If I asked someone who did not know, really know mixed martial arts, if I said, Hey, uh, who's Brandon LaFleur and Marlon Marais? (laughs) The odds are they're not going to know who they are. And, you know, Marlon Marais man goes out there and what's it now? Six in a row. He's lost. And and we were talking about this right before the show, but you know, the crazy thing with Marlon Marais is he might get a very tailor-made matchup for him that he might find his way still into the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I could see him getting that six points. And, if there was anybody on that PFL card that a casual fan recognized, he was probably in the co-main event, right? Tiago Santos, I think, would be the name people would recognize because of the John Jones fight. I think between Santos and Marais, I feel more confident in, in, in Santos making his way into the playoffs. He also lost in disappointing fashion against Rob Wilkinson. The, the Marais loss was expected. Low name was a heavy favorite, and he literally just took out Marlon's legs, and then it was over. It was literally over. The fight could have been stopped in the first round when Marlon fell down and couldn't really get up. Uh, it should have been stopped in the corner, but he wanted to continue to fight. His legs were clearly done. And then Tiago versus Wilkinson, I mean, straight up, Santos couldn't get his game going Wilkinson just outgrappled the hell out of him uh, PFL one uh, my note is this uh, the uh, Justin Roberts as a ring announcer is a phenomenal addition he is one hell of an announcer he does a great job in aew and I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to announce and then honestly the card itself wasn't that exciting uh, largely due to Kabalev and Jenkins um, they won their fights against Chris Wade and Ryoji Kudo. But, bro, it was just a lot of wrestling and not a lot of activity. And the Jotko fight also wasn't very good either. Uh, but the light heavyweights on the undercards, uh, Martin Hamlin and Joshua Silvera, uh, they were impressive. They got those takedowns and those submissions. But, yeah, that that's the value, right? More people were probably watching the PFL than the Bellator – but, hey, man, if you tune into Bellator this past week, I mean, honestly, there was a lot of good stuff on that card. I mean, we don't need to get deep into the John Salter fight. I was able to take a nap during that one, but shout-out to him for retiring. He he had a good run as a mixed martial artist.
0: Yeah, I mean, even John Salter, I mean, I mean, even though he's, he's announced his retirement, which we both know, Daniel, <laughs> we both know. We never believe that R-word. You should oh. never believe that R-word. I don't care. You should – like, literally, it's 1% of fires who truly honor that word.
1: Dude, <laughs> yeah. did
0: you see who's talking about coming into um, competition? I, I'm not going to say mixed martial arts competition, but someone's come to the competition, and I really have to question the people around this former UFC champion.
1: Uh, well, this you you just took out my – I did see George Sauteropoulos' return into the cage, but who are you talking about?
0: Uh, Tim Sylvia wants to do uh, oh, wants to do Jesus slap fighting.
1: Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Tim, Jesus Christ, Tim, no, no, Tim, no. Geez, can't there be some job in the UFC that they can give him?
0: Here's oh, so here's what I did not know. Apparently, there is another slap fighting league in the United States outside of uh, Power Slap. Didn't know that, but apparently, he's trying to get on this league. Which I'm like, is there not somebody around? Tim Sylvia says, Tim. This just ain't a good idea.
1: I mean, why can't he get on Power Slap?
0: Maybe that was his way of letting Dana White know.
1: I mean, would I have watched episode two of Power Slap if Tim Sylvia was on it? Yeah. Yeah, I probably would have. I'm be honest with you. I grew up on, I didn't actually grow up on Tim Sylvia. I grew up on watching Tim Sylvia DVDs. He, he was no longer in the UFC when I started watching, but I, I watched his fights with Arlovski, and he was a cool dude. And I saw him live in affliction, get destroyed by Fedor. But yeah, man, it's been years since it was like long past when he should stop actively competing and uh, he should not be putting himself in a position to get any more brain injuries. Yeah. By the
0: way, if you or somebody went out there and laid a little money on Jeff Creighton as a 16 to one underdog,
1: kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. Oh, my gosh, dude. He was the biggest underdog, and uh, he – you know what? The way Creighton won the fight against Davis is very similar to how Zingano won her fight against Leah McCourt, right? McCourt and Joey positionally did a lot of good things, but Zingano and Creighton – they appealed to the criteria. They had more fight ending situations with the grappling of in or that one elbow that cut up Leah and for Creighton. I mean, it was nonstop strikes even on his back. And so, yeah, we saw that parallelism between those two fights. Great, great, uh, great deal. Great upset there. And, and for me, I mean, the moment of Bellator 293. By the way, shout out to Archie Colgan, who, who who starts Montalvo. But the big moment, and really the big moment of the weekend, honest to God, was Luke Trainor, uh getting that submission. But the post-fight situation was the best, wasn't it, Jason? Was Dude, it not the best?
0: So I didn't watch his fights live. Yeah. So Saturday, let me see if I can find it. I want to say it was Amy Kaplan who put it out there and when i saw the caption i was like no he didn't
1: yeah, yeah Do I you know, some... you
0: I, you have you know the line i'm talking about right
1: yes it's great
0: <laughs> like
1: Dave i'm, Daniel, I'm gonna
0: offer you some advice here uh-huh when that day comes for you i don't think you should say this term <laughs> I, got, I, I gotta find it uh oh, man where is it because I want to make sure I get the quote right yeah because it's one of those quotes you're going no and the quote was this I just found I just found her post can't wait to put babies inside you
1: yeah will you marry me um
0: <laughs> like it- if you went to one of your boys and said, hey, man, I'm going to propose this weekend. Yeah. And part of my proposal is this. If none of them go, Daniel, that's a bad idea, you might need to look at your inner circle a little better.
1: Yeah, my inner circle looks like Vince's inner circle. And, and uh, yeah, I'm growing out a pencil-thin mustache and, and dyeing my hair. Look, put babies in you, you know. Shout out to his fiance. She is a trooper. You know, she is an absolute trooper to deal with that. On national television, but yeah, I mean, hey man, you know, yeah, that's just weird. It makes me uncomfortable, but honestly, it was the moment of the weekend. I, I loved it. it. It was, it was, it was memorable. There wasn't a lot of great stuff this weekend. I mean, the heavyweight main event wasn't uh, a barn burner. At least we got a knockout out of James, uh, looking good there. But uh, yeah, man, Luke Trainer, shout out to him, and the real MVP of the weekend is his fiance.
0: And if you had done a 3 fighter parlay on the $300 that came in on the main card, Daniel James, John Salter, Luke Trainer plus 2000.
1: Wow. It was the night of the dogs at Bellator, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, cuz so you had uh, along those you also had uh, Adam Piccolotti got the win. Uh Sarah Collins. Well, <laughs> I mean, at that point, those five fighters, that's plus 10,382. I haven't even put in our guy, Jeff Creighton, yet. He was plus 850. (laughs) Now we're up to plus (laughs) 99,475.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You could have paid off your mortgage with a $5 bet, man.
0: And if you would have thrown in McKenzie Stiller plus 105, that gets you to 204,000.
1: I mean, why aren't we putting down these parlays?
0: Because um, I don't live in a state where I can legally bet, Daniel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Oh, man.
0: Wish I could. Wish I could.
1: Yeah. That's why
0: I just have to play DFS, you know?
1: Yeah, hopefully in these next few years, we get some legalized gambling in our in our respective states.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you got to think. that. I mean, it was legal for like a month here, and then it went away. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, by the way, you know, You know, of course, when we're talking about MMA news, we just go over to the Fortnite over there the MMA hour and Kayla Harrison making some news this week. As uh, she uh, said this uh, to Errol Hawani, I said, pretty much after that fight, I need to fight in the season. Everything I said was out the window. I was like, fuck it. I'm going back. But that's not the plan for me. I'm grateful that it didn't happen. Then she was asked, what's next? She goes, only God knows. Obviously, I want to fight in the season because I wanted the rematch. And yeah, I wanted the rematch, but that's not going to happen. That's not the PFL's plan for me. They've been in talks with Chris Cyborg. I don't know where Cyborg or team stand. One minute boxing, then it's back to Bellator, and then it's PFL possibly. So I'm just trying to stay patient and stay ready. And, you know, the the, the Chris Cyborg aspect is clearly that's a fight we'd all love to see. Chris Cyborg, I know she, I want to say it was on Twitter, she was basically put a pull out there of who would you rather me fight, whether it's, you know, Kayla Harrison or, or Chris Ngannou. Is it really a question? Yeah, is someone really yeah. picking Chris Katzengano? Is someone
1: really Katzengano isn't picking Zingano. I mean, she did not want that fight in that post-fight interview. It was laid out there, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll fight for the championship." You know, I know it could. You know, the champ hasn't been fighting, so I'll fight for the champ. I did not mention Cyborg. Uh, Zingano doesn't want that fight. Uh, the world wants Kayla and Cyborg. Um, The quotes are relevant because obviously you got PFL two this week and Pacheco's fight and Bud. And realistically, I understand the PFL not putting Kayla in the season because of what's laid out, right? Two fights left on her deal. That would be crazy to have her do two regular season fights and then just dip out. Unless you could have negotiated a contract extension that would be like two fights plus the playoffs. But Kayla's sure playing hardball because she knows she can – she probably wants to go to the UFC um, or Bellator, but probably the UFC. So I get what the PFL is doing here. In all honestly, I really believe they should have done a super fight between Pacheco and Kayla, gave Larissa an opportunity to just all automatically be in the playoffs. Like, um because I know she valued winning the million-dollar purse. And then give try to do another Kayla super fight on the back end of her two-fight deal.
0: I mean, look, PFL, just make it happen. It's it's interesting to me that Chris Cyborg has been a free agent for a while now, and that she doesn't have a contract with Bellator. I it would be fascinating to know what's happened behind the scenes there. Is that more on the cyborg aspect? Is that more on the Bellator aspect? I mean, look, it's when I did my Bellator rankings, there's seven fighters to vote on at women's 145 pounds. It, it almost, it feels like to me, and look, I could certainly be wrong here. It feels like Bellator given up on women's 145 pounds. They've realized, like, we're just creating one-off fights for Chris Cyborg at this point. So, look, I hope the PFL can get that thing done putting Chris versus Kayla on pay-per-view makes all the sense in the world that, you know, when we're talking about PFL going pay-per-view, they have got to put fights on pay-per-view that are going to get us interested. Now, if you tell me Chris Cyborg and Kayla Harris are fighting fight on pay-per-view in three months from now, and it's 50 bucks, that would give me to fork over $50. Yeah.
1: It speaks to, it speaks to Kayla's star power and, um, who she is that coming off of the upset loss to Pacheco. She still would get that buy-in. But at the end of the day, what Kayla's done really well that fighters should learn from is she's gotten people to care about her and who she is. She's an interesting fighter. And fighters need to study her and what she's doing. Because even after that upset loss, she's still in a position where that cyborg fight is a big deal. And I do agree, and I do think that's kind of the one fight they can make. Not including maybe signing some other people to make big fights if they're wanting to do pay per views and and have they announced when their pay per view is their next pay per view is gonna be? No. Are we are we just thinking Kayla's next fight will be the season finale of this season? Like what's what's going on here?
0: I hope not. I hope not. I mean, she has two fights left on our deal and the I believe she has said that it's basically you have these two fights or the contract ends. Essentially. I think it's like November of this year. And then she's a unrestricted free agent, which at that point we kind of know where she's going.
1: Yeah.
0: Like if you tell me she's an unrestricted free agent, I would be relatively shocked. if She's not in the UFC.
1: Maybe she can be the first ever UFC WWE dual signee. Has not she been like
0: adamant about being anti-professional wrestling?
1: Yeah, but then they'll show her the paycheck. I mean, you know, she she, she did the thing with AEW, but uh,
0: – So you're saying you know, money it, talks.
1: Uh, it certainly does, and it helps when you can control the outcome of your uh, results, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, the UFC will be in the Kayla business, uh, Nunez and Kayla. That is a hell of a fight. That is a storyline. I mean, talk about a story. That is, I mean, American top team was divided. Uh, you know, Amanda went out to go train by herself, and it worked like amazing in her in her in her follow up fight. That's just a beautiful story, right? Like Amanda is the greatest female fighter of all time, and she doesn't feel comfortable in her own gym, basically. And, and I'm putting words in her mouth. She didn't yeah. say that at all. She started her own gym, and, and she's had nothing but good things to say. But the the greatest fighter of all time, in as a female, moves gyms. That's a good story. I want to see that fight happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. By the way, speaking of free agent, note got to mention this uh, note about Francis and This comes from the BKFC press conference where I've seen a lot of things in this sport, Daniel. Have, seeing a fighter put allegedly put a booger on his opponent—that's a new one. That's a new one.
1: <laughs> that is a new one.
0: <laughs> so this headline comes from MMAfighting.com. BKFC president David Feldman on Francis Gano. We just feel like he's asking for unrealistic money. This was a quote uh, that Feldman said. He goes, Fran Singano, he's somebody we've certainly reached out to. We've reached out to him. We've reached out to his team. And we just feel like he's asking for unrealistic money. And we're not willing to pay that kind of money for him. Now, look, I can tell you this. BKFC is throwing some money around. I, 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 I remember hearing what the offer Paige Van Zant took. I was like, really? Wow. I mean, that was literally my response, but I also wonder is, is this a situation where Francis Ngannou just threw out a outrageous number because maybe he really doesn't want to do PKFC and he realizes that where the bag is, is trying to get a boxing match up against one of the notable heavyweights.
1: Yeah, I guess it has to be it. It's probably a combo of both of those things. I mean. You know, If you're Francis, is it really like, oh, I'm going to go make big money off of a bare-knuckle matchup against Ben Rothwell? Like, no, that's not going to happen. So here, pay me this much money and fine, I'll do bare-knuckle. That makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense that he's going out there and requesting major offers from all these promotions. Like, That's probably why an announcement hasn't been made quite yet is because he has a steep asking price. And it does seem like the big fish for him has to be the boxing matchup. That, to me, is really the only place where he can make the type of money he desires. But, dude, like that's a lot of risk. I mean, yeah, one fight, you make a life-changing income. But what if he goes out there and gets embarrassed, like looks really bad? I mean, what happens next? I mean, I guess you could still go back to MMA and still maintain most of your name value. I think that will be forgiven but that's a dangerous ball game when you're going up against a heavyweight boxer like Fury, Joshua, Deontay. It's not a good, Usyk, not a good idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, but to me, it goes down to this line of, like, let's say you get one of those notable heavyweight fighters and you get outclassed in a boxing matchup. If you don't have a deal with MMA promoter already done, then how much does that hurt your, your bargaining chip?
1: Yeah, I think it probably hurts your bargaining chip a little bit, but honestly, like even if he goes out there and gets like knocked out first round knockouts, fourth round knockout, whatever, mm-hmm. UFC is still gonna give him a lot of money to fight John Jones. Even if it's just percentage points. I still think Ngannou maintains enough name value with the boxing loss to sell a crap load of pay per views in a heavyweight championship fight against John Jones. Still think that's the biggest John Jones fight.
0: Look, I would love to see. I would love this. I'd love to see that fight. I just ten percent chance it happens.
1: I think it's. I think it's like a sixty five percent chance we we'll see that fight. I really do think it's more than likely we see Jones and Ganu fight. But yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a big believer with this stuff. I'm a big believer with the big money fights happen. They just do. Money talks. You know, if you get if you get pay per view percentage points. That's, that can be a lot of money. I mean, what what do you think are the biggest possible UFC pay-per-views? How many other matchups can you name that do a bigger buy rate than Jones and GANU? What would those be?
0: The first one that just popped in my head would have to be Conor Nate.
1: That would be interesting to see which one would do bigger. I, I, I guess Conor Nate would. I, is where I, I would go with,
0: yeah. To me, it comes down to the 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 mystique of Conor McGregor. I mean, especially if Conor wins his next matchup, and then then you. I mean, well, if he wins his next matchup, we already know he's fighting for someone's title at that point. But yeah. outside of a, a Conor matchup, there's nothing I can really see that the the UFC can make that's going to like be that blockbuster pay per view.
1: Literally, the only one I can think of—it can't even happen right now, but it would have to happen down the line. But it would be Izzy and Jones. But that's like three years yeah. from now. That's like if Izzy beats Alex this weekend and continues to rehabilitate himself as a goat. I mean that—that's the—that's the other one I can think of. Um, I don't know who would be the big matchup for Habib. I don't know if there's a if there's a lightweight that would be that big matchup. For him on pay per view, can't really think of one. Yeah, I mean, the UFC I think is really, really, uh, really like they consistently do good buy rates. As I said earlier, they're just missing those mega stars.
0: Yeah, I mean, like look, you when you look at Saturday's pay per view, it's a really gr- it's a really great five fight card lineup. You know, you look at you know the opening fight on pay per view, we we got Raul Rojas Jr. You know, what does he look like in the second UFC matchup? Uh, Kevin Holland, Santiago Pons, Anivia. We're going to apparently. Uh, According to Santiago Ponzinibbio, Kevin Holland wanted this fight to be 185 pounds as uh, Kevin Holland apparently slid into those Instagram DMs asking for it to be 185 pounds. And and Santiago uh, Ponzinibbio says, quote, if you don't know, we signed a contract. The contract says the weight. if he wants to change the weight, he needs to before he signs the contract. I don't care, man. We can talk about everything, just everything about money. If you put money, we're talking. I don't have a problem, but he signed a paper that says 170. I don't care what he's talking. Fuck it. Uh,
1: when, when did Kevin slide into his DMS to, to change the weight class?
0: It did not. It did not. So. <laughs> That's by, by the way, Kevin, Kevin Holland, Jorge Maslow got into it today in a hotel uh, lobby yelling at each other. There, there's there's so I've, I've got several quotes from today's media day. Um, can someone around Izzy let him know he is the favorite on Saturday?
1: I mean, if it's hard for him to process that when he's lost the dude three times, bro. This is, hard, what,
0: this is what Izzy said today. He goes, not many people get the opportunity to show how great they are to rise to the occasion when all the odds are stoked against them. Has to be stacked. Can't be stoked.
1: Yeah.
0: MMA junkie, that's on you if you if you uh, you know didn't transcribe this right. And people are counting them out. And for me, this fight, I feel like the underdog. I feel like everyone is counting me out. I feel like because of the result of the last fight, goldfish memory. Never heard of that one. They forgot what I've done in this game. It's time to remind people how great I am. Izzy, you're a minus 140 betting favorite. No one has forgotten. Like, have has he created this narrative in his head that he's the underdog and everyone is, like, uh, you know, railing on him?
1: Well, I think the internet is hard on everyone. So maybe if he's looking on the internet, all he's seeing is the memes. I mean, how often has the video of Alex... Talking about how he got offended by Israel's interview saying that he's gonna be champion and, and Alice is gonna be drinking a beer uh, in, you know, his neighborhood or whatever the hell. Like like I'm sure when Izzy gets on his socials, that's all he sees. Again, when you lose to a guy three times, twice kickboxing one an MMA, it's really hard not to feel like the underdog. But yeah, he is a favorite. I mean he's a favorite for a good reason. He was winning that fight until well, he got he got finished. But you know, dude, I think the big uh, MVP of of fight week so far, and I think it's going to play out, has to be not even a fighter, bro, not even a fighter. I gotta say, Miami. I love <laughs> the fact that this white cards in Miami. Oh, I thought you were uh, go somewhere else. Right, sorry, I'll, I'll go there. I'll go there next, but I gotta go here first. Um, I gotta go here first. I was watching the countdown and I thought they did an amazing job and I was super stunned that uh that they have not been in Miami since UFC 42 in 2003. I did not realize it had been that long of a gap and and that was crazy and then I went back to UFC 42. Uh,
0: they they've been in the Miami area. They haven't been it haven't been actually in Miami, but they've been in the Miami
1: area. Well, cuz I
0: remember I remember being at the uh, the McCall DJ fight back in 2012.
1: Damn, so they lied to me? They lied well, to me? No, well,
0: that was, te- that was technically, it's in the arena that, um, that event was at the arena that the Panthers play in, which is not technically Miami. It's, it's um God, what's it, is it maybe, is it maybe in Hollywood,
1: maybe? Uh, yeah, it could be, it could be. But, uh, but
0: I, Hollywood, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, no, they're all the same area to me. But, yes, yeah. it, 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 technically for Miami, yeah. And uh, I'm interested to see if this thing is sold I haven't gone on Ticketmaster. I remember when these tickets went on sale, I was like, good Lord. Oh my price range! I yeah, thought I, I, I was like I was th- when they announced. I was like, oh man, this be a good boys' weekend. Go down to Miami for the weekend, have you know
1: yeah. waters. I don't know about waters, my man. Got to have some daddy sodas, expensive <laughs> daddy sodas. But you know the craziest thing about this um, UFC 42 situation, uh, I went back and I googled UFC 42, and it's actually available for free on YouTube. Uh, somebody uploaded it, so uh, hopefully I didn't spoil it. But uh, I looked at the comments. I'm like, oh, let me look at the comments. I'm like, ooh, no wonder they didn't use the commentary track in the countdown. As we have uh, color commentator uh, Phil Baroni, on the headsets uh, for UFC 42, which has not aged well. Ooh. Uh, but, yeah, you, you look at some of the, uh, the comments about some of the things he said on commentary, which also has not aged well. Let me look at direct quotes from the YouTube comment section. He said, uh, this is a really good place two pounds and also um, um, he might have shot his load out here so yeah, uh, throw back that Phil Baroni. I just I fell down that rabbit hole and I had to bring it to your attention
0: no i'll I'll tell you a Miami story from, from me. You remember when um Anderson Silva when he took on uh, was it it wasn't Thales
1: Lates Damien?
0: No, the opponent, his opponent missed weight. It was a title C- fight.
1: Cote, Cote.
0: No, it wasn't Cote. It was a pay per view. But I watched it. I watched him in, in Miami. Um, Luter. Luter. yeah, Travis Luter. Travis Luter, because he missed weight, yeah. and so we, me, uh, me and the boys were down there because I was down there for the Super Bowl, and uh, the fellas came down for the weekend. I, I had been there all week, and uh, so we went out to watch this pay per view. So you know, night ends, or we order a cab. Our cab driver starts to fall asleep at the wheel. We literally grabbed the wheel, got the thing on the brake. We're like, yeah, we'll get out of this car. We ain't paying you.
1: You fell asleep. That is freaking crazy, bro. Yeah, you gotta. You, you should have told Jorge Masvidal, man. I tell you what, he's the king of Miami. I uh, I am loving these UFC embeds, and god, I my favorite part so far. And it's 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 important to bring up is the, the when he stops at the mural, of Kimbo Slice, man. Uh, would have been nice for Kimbo to be around for this card. I, I think uh, you know he he brought Jorge to popularity in the street fighting circuit, and uh, I mean that's what I really love about Jorge is man, he is this community, bro. He, he's well, a little he wild at a press conference. He
0: made some news today.
1: Yeah, for people
0: for people who have not seen this quote. This is Jorge all. quote. I currently have three felonies because this bitch Colby says I gave him a brain injury. So how the fuck is he going to fight for any title is what I want to know. The UFC is going to get sued. If that guy goes in there and something like this happens because supposedly allegedly, because I didn't do shit. He says, I gave him a brain injury. I didn't do shit to him. Of course he's an attention seeking ass whore. He's He's going to be, he's going to be there from a hundred feet away at 20 security guard. He's going to say all types of crazy ass shit that he's the king of this and that he's only the king of calling cops and sucking. You probably know what the next word is. Mm -hmm. goes on to say I don't give a flying fuck all I know is he has a restraining order on me I have to stay 100 feet away from this individual I don't even know why he would even put up such a thing on me because I'm just the coolest guy my mind is still blown as to why he has a restraining order on me and then he's claiming he's kind of I don't know what whatever
1: yeah yeah
0: When I saw the video of that quote, I just was like, oh my God.
1: Like, Okay, all right, all
0: right. If he's claiming a brain injury, Jorge brings up a really good point. If he's claiming a brain injury from a alleged assault situation, how can the UFC give him a fight? You remember about a week ago when Jorge Maslow said he goes, I've got inside information why Kobe's not going to get a title fight? I guess he just put it out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it really comes down to what kind of brain injury he's claiming, right? If it's a long-term brain injury, then how could he fight? It could be like a short-term deal. I mean, I don't know what would even classify a brain injury. I don't know if a, a concussion, which is something that people get over quickly, would be classified as a brain injury, but surely that's what he's saying. I'm sure it's trumped up in the documents, right? I think Colby is trying to get as much money out of Jorge and make him hurt as much as possible and vice versa. I mean, these two people hate each other. It's a fight that needs to effing happen. Let's see these two in the cage. Like I don't like Masvidal's chances. Nah, nah, man, nah, yeah. man.
0: Street fight, street fight. We've seen that in the cage. That. that wasn't a great fight in the cage. Make that a street fight. Be much more interesting.
1: That's true. But make it a
0: beat. BK- B- David Feldman. I got it for you, David. I got your fight. Got your fight to put on Rumble. They both they, they both love the Rumble crowd.
1: Yeah, that's true. They want to know who to root for.
0: But, I mean, look, if you tell me Jorge Maslow goes out and knocks out Gilbert Burns on Saturday night, yeah, he's getting the next title shot. Come on.
1: Damn, I just realized with the restraining order that if uh, you know they do like a Make America Great Again rally in Florida, only one of them is going to be able to go
0: okay all right only one of us got to Here, be on stage here's another example of that okay if there's a restraining order Jorge yeah. Maslow is going to work so if you're the UFC and Colby Covington says I want to attend how do you make that work
1: if he's you got a restraining order
0: against one of the fighters who's on the car so then Colby you're going to his work how can that be Jorge yeah. Maslow's fault
1: that's uh, so why we gotta listen to the law father and get some more analysis on this <laughs> on the uh, radio influence but yeah uh yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he's probably going to have to be sitting in the upper decks just to be safe. But like, what if like the upper decks are like, like at the lowest? I guess it would be a hundred feet vertically too, so that would work. Never mind. I was going to say like, what if the locker room is directly under the upper decks? Would he be in violation of the restraining order? But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, but
0: the other side of this is what if Gilbert Burns goes out there? I mean. Look, we haven't seen Jorge Masvidal win a fight since 2019. And he's talked about that there's been a lot of things that have kind of happened in in his life uh, over the past couple of years. But if you're Gilbert Burns and you go out there and you wreck Jorge Masvidal, how do you not sit back and go, why not me? Now, if you're Leon yeah. Edwards, clearly there's a storyline with Masvidal. I believe Leon Edwards is going to be in attendance on Saturday night. I mean, from a, if I'm in the Leon Edwards camp, that's the fight I want. Or if I'm in Leon Edwards, I just wait to see Conor McGregor potentially beat Michael Chandler. And then I say, yeah, let's do that fight then
1: yeah i think that's the big the big two fights he wants either masvidal and connor i think you know burns might go out here and look so good that leon's gonna want to fight colby you know it's it, it, it could be a situation where leon's like all right i'll take on covington now because honestly bro like going back to that Shemiah fight man i really feel like gilbert can be Walter welterweight champion i really do think that's in the cars for him and it, it's a tall task. There's a lot of great Elite Waltoids in the world, like Leon and Kamaru and Shimaev although he may go to 185. Seems like that's what's in the future. But Gilbert, to me, is a special fighter. The one thing about Masvidal's three losses is they're against the Elite dudes. It, it's Colby and it's two losses to Kamaru. But... I don't know if Masvidal has a win over a current fighter on the UFC roster. Um,
0: well, his last two wins I, will be against guys who are not in the UFC, and Askren and Nate Diaz.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think, because uh, you go through his entire resume, it's uh, James Krause, who I believe no longer fights in the UFC. Uh, uh, sure? Ross Pierce. Who is Ross that guy? Pearson?
0: I feel, I feel like I see that guy's name in the news at some point. Yeah
1: yeah yeah Ross Pearson uh Jake nope. Ellenberger Donald Cerrone Till Askren Diaz Cesar Ferreira not sure if he's still in the UFC I nope. don't think so though because I'm pretty sure he was in a BFL he's on the PFL right? yeah Cruikshank Pat Healy my oh Michael Chiesa still in the UFC and Tim Means so we have two fighters that I have found so far okay but how many years ago were those fights literally 10 years ago that's insane. Uh, it, yeah, it is insane. But straight up, Jorge's got that two-piece. He's got those he got the power, he's got the stand-up, he's an OG, he's a veteran, he's a dangerous dog. Everything you mentioned, he, he he he's a good freaking fighter. It's just that I think Gilbert's elite, bro, and like if things aren't going good for Gilbert on the feet, he can just take the dude down and grapple with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's. I feel fairly confident in saying that Gilbert is going to win on Saturday. But, I mean, if it is a state of fight, I mean, it gives, you know, Jorge, obviously, a great opportunity. But I truly do expect Gilbert Burns to go out there. And look, there's a reason he's a 5-1 betting favorite. You know, in the main event, it, this is my thoughts on the main event is, uh, to me is he is a better mixed martial artist, but you know, he doesn't want to get in there and, and get into a, a kickboxing matchup. He got caught at the end of the day. He got caught in, in the end of that. He should win this one, but there's also this mindset of maybe are we seeing the downside of Izzy? I don't think so, but it's something I think you have to at least even throw out there.
1: I mean, it, it, dude, we just saw it at Walter weight. Kamaru lost the title went to get it back, and was unsuccessful. And now he finds himself in a long road back. It is rare that the champion loses the championship and regains it. We haven't seen that happen too often throughout the history of this sport. I don't know if Izzy's going to be able to do it. I'm thinking he might be able to do it because he he was winning the last fight, He's a more well-rounded fighter. His opponent does still have less than 10 fights as a mixed martial artist. Izzy's done at the highest level for a long time. He's got a hell of a fight camp. He was looking like a goat. So I'm, I'm leaning towards Izzy. But again, it's 25 minutes with the dude who has the most dangerous stand-up in the game who's checkmated you three times. Izzy is facing the toughest dude in his career right now on Saturday. That's what makes this fight amazing.
0: Yeah, it's a fun fight, but I mean, if you're Izzy, it's it's about going out there and being a, a complete mixed martial artist. I mean, look, I love this Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez matchup. I mean, if you want to see two guys go in there and just slug it away and essentially, because neither one were really kickboxers, they're, they're they're both boxers. That's what both these guys are. Um, you know, Rob Font, uh, you know, originally from Tampa. So Tampa's about a four-hour drive down to Miami. Adrian Yanez has talked about wanting to be the first guy to, to knock out Rob Font. I think this thing's going to go 15 minutes. This it's a tough one for me. I like both these guys. I think the fight's closer than the betting odds say. God, my gut says Rob Font. Brain says Adrian Yanez.
1: Yeah, because, like, the brain telling you that this is the young up-and-comer and usually the young guy dethrones the veteran. Um, and Adrian has shown a lot of potential. I mean, especially that last fight. He was he, he looked like a stud muffin. But I'm going with Font in this one. He just has done it more consistently. He's had the opportunity to do so. Adrian hasn't. But Font has really displayed that consistency I'd like on the feet. But realistically, this is a pick and fight because this is going to play out, I think, like a like a barn burner type affair. I think both guys are going to get rocked. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be back and forth. God knows the judges are going to have trouble scoring it. I'm going font, though.
0: It's one of those fights that I do wonder if this thing does go 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, you're going to go, damn, man, wish we had two more rounds of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh... I think that it a hundred percent be one of those deals where it's like, why couldn't this one have been a, an apex main event or a fight night main event? But you know, it, it, it it's going to be good. I mean, the the main card is pretty solid. It really is. There's not a single fight on there that I think is going to be boring.
0: No, I mean, you you talk about betting underdogs. You just talked about Rafa as a plus one sixty five. Santiago Ponzinibbio is a plus two ten underdog. I think is a another interesting one. I mean, look. And in the opening fight of the night, I mean, you got this young kid and Raul Rojas Junior. Which, by the way, you know, I did an interview with him um, before he got into the UFC. I, you, you talk about uh, you shouldn't read YouTube comments. I hope he doesn't read those YouTube comments.
1: Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, and it happens in a lot of his videos. But hey, man, if he keeps on winning, he won't be need to be doing much reading. Um, he's uh, He is very much like Bo Nickel. Him and Bo Nickel, I think, are going to be compared for a long time because they are two fighters that are getting into UFC with not a lot of experience. The difference is Raul is literally like 18 years old <laughs> and, and Bo's quite a few years older. Um, I, I think Raul probably will win against Christian Rodriguez, but he's green, which makes a lot of sense because, again, he's 18 years old. This is crazy what he's doing. So it's going to be fun to see it on, on the bigger stage. And, dude, I like what you're throwing down, bro. Sign me up for that Santiago underdog. I I, I like him against Kevin Holland. Holland takes a little too many risks on the feet. Uh, now I'm a little concerned about the fact that he wants to fight at 185. That lets me know things aren't going too good. This is also a guy who has retired before. So give me Santiago in that fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just pulled my interview with him. So I, this, is, this interview is from eight months ago. And, uh, yeah, some of the uh, comments are pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: I remember saying something to his management at one point. I was like, "I hope he doesn't read comments."
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure for him at at his age, it's hard not to. But you gotta be, you gotta be like centered, bro, because it's gonna keep on getting more and more and more and more every time he fights, bro. That popularity is gonna go up, and the comments are like that for so many things for him and the post fight interview and whatnot. I mean, yeah, but you know. He he's kicking ass and taking names. He's just got him. He's got to fortify that stand up. He's got to work on the technique there. And who knows? He's he's a superior athlete. I don't know if we'll see another seventeen year old get signed again in the sport.
0: In terms of the preliminary card, there are some fights on the prelims that do stick out me. I, I do like the Chris Curris and Kelvin Gastelum fight. Chris Curris plus money. I kind of like that one there from the betting side. Uh, I'm interested to see what Joe Pfeiffer looks like He's GM3. I mean, you can never count a GM3 when it comes to his ability on the ground. Poor Chase Sherman, man. He goes from fighting Chris Barnett, who you knew was not going to grapple him, and then Chris Barnett has to pull out of the fight, and now they bring in Carl Williams, who just had his UFC debut, not that uh, a couple weeks ago, who had eight takedowns. Like, why do they hate Chase Sherman? Because if, if you <laughs> want to, if you want a fun Chase Sherman fight, it needs to be against some guy who says, "I'm not going to grapple you. I'm going to have a striking matchup." Chase Sherman's going to be on his back a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a polar opposite matchup and i think it's probably going to be a long night for him uh and, and that sucks for him but you know carl williams is hell of a wrestler and hell of a takedown artist i think look gaslam curtis that's the premier matchup that's a good matchup and it's a must-win situation for Gastelum. him and chris curtis are like two trains going up and down but you know and the last time I highlighted a female fighter on the prelim. She did not do good. I'm talking about Juliana Miller. I hope she, uh, she, uh, she, she bounces back. I think she's a star. But I tell you what, I'm pretty high on this Jacqueline Amirim women's draw weight. I know I pronounced her last name wrong, but she was the uh, the uh, LFA champion uh, coming in. And what I like about Jacqueline, she's fighting Sam Hughes, is she's finished every single fight. Hundred percent finishing ability five of those via submission could be a promising fighter at women's straw weight.
0: I do like the Luby Godinia's uh, Cynthia Calvillo fight. I mean, obviously it's going to come down to his can Calvillo. Stop it. You know, mentioned about Kevin Gassel one in five in his last six, but I'm going to give you the names that he's lost to in these uh, five losses. Izzy till Hermanson, Whitaker cannoneer.
1: Yeah, those are some tough mama jamas. And and the thing is, Chris Curtis isn't too far off from like the top ten at middleweight. Like, like he has turned his career around as well. I don't know. Is Curtis even ranked at fifty at middleweight?
0: Uh, I think he's in the top fifteen.
1: Yeah, he's got. He's got. If if he's not, he's like right there. Yeah, he's got good stand up. I think. uh, I think. I don't know. It's hard to turn things around.
0: Yeah. His Achilles heel before he got into the UFC was the ability to stop the takedown, but, uh, he's been able to do that. Yeah. So Curtis is 14. Kevin Gaslam is number 15.
1: Yeah. So that's why it's a good fight, man. And yeah, and no, again, like, yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's a great fight. First time we've seen Kevin Gaslam since August 21st, 2021. His last two fights have been, uh, both, uh, main event matchups. And, uh, Last time he won back-to-back fights, we got to go back to 2017-2018, knocking out Michael Bisbing and getting a split decision win against Jacare Souza.
1: Wow. And Jacare couldn't get it done against Vitor Belfort. Uh, that is crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, he's. we've seen a couple of these cases, and a lot of times uh, those guys don't turn it around.
0: Okay, you, you mentioned about the, the stat with Jorge Massadal. <laughs> Outside of his win against Ian Heinish, the last time Calvin Gaston has won a fight against someone currently in the UFC, yep, you can't find one.
1: <laughs>
0: his wins in the UFC, Uriah Hall, Brian Melanson, Rick Story, Nico Muscoke, Jake Ellenberger, Nate um, Marquardt, Johnny Hendricks, Tim Kennedy, Bisbing, Jacare, and Ian Heinish.
1: We got to start keeping track on if Fighters with these resumes ever win again, right? Like, we got to double check because maybe we found like the great, uh, the great loophole in in how to bet MMA. Like, if a guy has not beaten anyone who's still fighting the UFC, maybe pick against him. Uh, I, I, I like this idea very much. Um, I still yeah. say
0: the craziest Chris because I just upload Chris uh, Chris Curse's Wikipedia page and to me the craziest part about this is you married back at PFL 7 2019 he loses to Magma Magma Karamov, retires and then they go hey man um, someone's falling out can you fight later on tonight yeah I guess I'm retired another reason you never believe that R word
1: I completely forgot about that and then he goes on this incredible run after losing to Cooper bro yeah, unbelievable! What a beautiful story, and God, the win over Brendan Allen in the UFC I think sticks out as maybe his best performance either that or his last win over Buckley. God, it's hard not to like Curtis here in this matchup. I mean, he has just turned things around. But you know, yeah, maybe it's Kelvin's turn to do such a thing. I mean,
0: you, you the, know the who, who you know who one of Chris Curtis' best friends is, right? No, Sean Strickland.
1: Oh my God! Hope he doesn't poop in his house crazy man yeah literally crazy man
0: literally. Uh, i mean if you're if, if you're who would be the wwe version of sean strickland that we could do a cross promotion reality show with
1: well they would be fired so there isn't one <laughs> there by, there by isn't.
0: the way if you told me the Mazdall colby covington case goes to trial i'd pay money to uh see colby covington get on the stand
1: yeah i would uh I would pay money for that. That would be great. And they would definitely both commit perjury, without a doubt. Uh, I, I would love that very much. I, I don't think it's going to go to trial, but we'll see. I mean, they are stubborn. They do hate each other. Uh, but, yeah, I, I will say the last thing for me is, hey, man, Michelle Waterson's on that card, you know? This is the two of her last three fights. She may have been in fight nights. And uh, and now she's out here on the, on the prelims sticking on Luana Pinero. So I'm excited, so- bro.
0: Are you saying she has your vote? As if someone's going to retire, it might be her.
1: Dude, there are a lot of fighters that could get that vote. Like you could give it to her. You give it to Kelvin.
0: Mavsall's talked like, about yeah. has t- talked about retirement.
1: I think the odds-on favorite has to be Jorge for sure. Um, I don't know, bro. If I was if I was a mom, and I had kids, I would not retire, bro. I haven't had kids yet, but I just feel like I wouldn't want to be around them that much. Like, I, w- I would want to be around my kid a good four to five hours a day, not 24 hours a day. I would want to continue to compete as much as possible. I, I know that's not how most people are with their children. They love them and stuff. And I d- would love my kid just 20 hours a day. Nah, I'd rather be punching people in the face. So, I don't know. But for Watterson, it's possible. I mean, she's had a long career, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a legend. She's a legend. In, in women's mixed martial arts uh, especially in like the Adam weight division when you go back I mean she's been fighting since 2007 uh she fought on the third ever Invicta FC card um, yeah so I think that's the case bro but yeah I think I think clearly Jorge is the bet to step away from the cage.
0: Yeah by the way, I just happen to have the UFC rankings up. When's the last time we've actually talked about a man in fight? fourth quarter of last year yeah or was yeah. that Ju- oh was that july of last year i don't know but just it was i was when you we, we were talking about her earlier and i was like damn it's been a long time since Amanda nunez fought
1: i think she got her title back and it's time to rest and recover but july man, new- 30th
0: 2022 was her fight against juliana Payne. of course we haven't seen juliana Payne since then
1: dude who the hell's gonna fight amanda next
0: I mean, Pena is the fight that would make the most sense.
1: Yeah, but Amanda kicked her ass. Amanda kicked her ass. I mean, dude, I think, let me look at these rankings, like trying to remember who, who rightfully earned. Wow. No one, there's no one that I'm like, oh, yeah, give them the fight. You're right, dude. Pena is the fight to make. Come on, women, white, step up, bro. You know, yeah, maybe the, yeah. Get. I mean, get Aaron Blatchfield, is to you know, come on, Aaron, let's move up to 135 and let's take out Amanda because that would be a good, uh, good matchup. Uh, you know, Aaron's Aaron's to me, like, I was thinking about it. I heard somebody say somebody was talking about, uh, I know I remember, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and they were uh-huh. talking about Caitlin Clark, the Iowa uh-huh. women's basketball player. And one of the comments was like, is there any uh, female athlete under 25 that has a bigger chance of being a superstar? And I was thinking about Erin Blanchfield. I'm like, you know, she doesn't necessarily kill it on the mic yet, but like skill-wise, she's going to be like a freaking superstar, bro. She just took out Andrade. And what is she, uh, 23 years old?
0: I Dude, mean, I remember we, we we were watching that game last uh, Friday, and when Caleb Clark looked at the uh, the player from South Carolina, like, "No, you're good at the three three point line. I don't need to cover you." I was like, "The disrespect."
1: Yeah, we love it, bro. I love it. I, I I and then the LSU won, and they gave her the "You can't see me" back. Uh yeah, it was a good deal. Hey, man. look,
0: I, hey, hey, if you if you give it, you gotta be able to take it.
1: Yeah, that's why we watch sports, bro. That's why I, I love sports. I hated the uh, the discussion about class and like. Classy or classy or not classy It's like it's harmless That's that's harmless dude, dude. Like, That's that's not like John uh, Morant Shooting uh, a laser at people or whatever the hell
0: Look I hate you to know. tell you this I don't care what we're <laughs> talking about Mixed martial arts, baseball, basketball, football If you had every player mic'd up And you could truly hear what they're saying The amount of shit talk you would hear
1: Oh yeah Oh,
0: yeah. Dude, like I was I was watching this video the other day. It was um, Isaiah Thomas was on um, the um, Stephen Jackson and um, uh, why can't I think I played for Matt, Matt Barnes podcast and they were talking about uh, Larry Bird and uh, Larry Bird comes home and goes, who's guarding me? He goes, hold on. You having a white boy guard me? The disrespect. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would love to listen to Larry's. Larry, Larry would be the like number one. I've heard
0: Barkley's told a similar story, and he 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 was like because he I, I want to say it was like a Dan Patrick show or something, and and they were talking about it, and and they said like Larry would literally come to you before the game, go, "Who's guarding me?" Wow! And and if you if you put a white boy on him, he'd be like, "Y'all are disrespecting me."
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. There ain't there ain't too many good white boys on defense. Now, there's a couple, but not too many, not too many. But yeah, Larry was, Larry's great. I mean, literally a legend, uh, just not as a, as a head coach.
0: I mean, and there's been some moments in MMA where you've heard the, the trash talking. The one that, that sticks out in my mind vividly oh, yeah. oh, is, yeah. uh, <laughs> is Habib against Michael Johnson.
1: Oh, I thought you were going with Cheyenne bias. No, no, oh, no. And who's no longer Shia advised, by the way. I apologize. Correct, uh, yeah.
0: I'll follow you uh, home, bitch. I mean, yeah. that, I,
1: <laughs>
0: if she did not trademark that line, you need yeah, a better really. manager.
1: Yeah, because that's what I was thinking of. and it, it's shy, No, 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 I uh, no
0: I'm so. thinking of when literally Habib took Michael Johnson over to where Dana White was sitting which <laughs> and was having a conversation with Dana as he's pummeling Michael Johnson, telling Michael Johnson he needs to quit.
1: Yeah, that was... That was crazy. Uh unbelievable. I think outside of Trash Talk, the other thing I think about is the way Anderson would dance around the cage with his opponents. Yeah. That was disrespect. The problem with Anderson when he did it, he also did it in fights that absolutely sucked. Like he did it in the Maya fight, I wanna say, in the fight against Talos Latis. And like no one was here for that because these those were some of the worst fights that ever made event in a vendor USC pay review ever.
0: Yeah, but I will say this. I do feel like the UFC is micing that cage up better and better. Like, we're starting to hear more and more of things that are going on inside the octagon.
1: Yeah, maybe that's where uh, WWE can help them out because they mic the hell out of everything. I love listening to John Cena call the match. uh, Actually,
0: uh, it's funny you say that because I saw a clip on TikTok where... um, Jay Uso had Kevin Owens against the cage or against the um the turnbuckle in the corner
1: yes and he said I I heard it live
0: and he said uh he, what was it double super kick me
1: yes <laughs> I heard that live and yes it's like bro those mics are deadly bro those mics are deadly because because you probably get fooled when you're wrestling in an 80,000-seat arena or however big the SoFi Stadium is, yeah. where it's so loud, it's so big, you can literally just talk normally to your opponent about what you're going to do next. But you forget the fact that those microphones are right effing there. And I, I, I wonder if the WWE goes back and they take out those audio clips. And like, uh, like if, I wonder if I go back right now to watch WrestleMania, if that's going to still be in there. Because that was loud as can be when I heard it live.
0: Yeah, it was one of those things of when I, when I saw it on TikTok, I was like, "Did I just hear what I thought I heard?"
1: Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, which is 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 crazy to think about. Uh, I wonder if I do wonder, like, if that's something that they they talked about beforehand. They're going to do this, and imagine he's just reminding them that's what they're going to do, or if he just said it on the fly but the ultimate one has to be and i saw it on tiktok today was obviously everyone i think has seen the shane mcmahon situation right where he did, yeah, yeah. did you see yeah did the drop immediately drop down leapfrog jumped up over his opponent and i don't know i think he tore his i don't know what he did he hurt himself tore, He tore his squad and so Snoop Dogg comes in and saves the day. But on uh, TikTok, they released a video. It showed there was a cameraman pointing at like yes. the Miz, and, and 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 he was going punch him, punch him. So that was obviously coming from the back. And then
0: yeah,
1: that was that was phenomenal. And then he did the people's elbow. Yeah, it, it's that's my favorite thing about. Well, I love Prosser for so many things, but it's that when when. Things go wrong. The on-the-flight thinking to make something even better is, is great. Uh, and, and that was honestly one of the most memorable parts of a pretty good two-day uh, WrestleMania weekend.
0: Yeah, I saw that video you were talking about. He's, it was like a cameraman was telling him to do it.
1: Yeah, because it's in his ear. It's in his ear from the production, right? They're all on the same headset, but it's all a team effort. It, it is, and it's a way to communicate, but, you know... Now on TikTok, it's like that's a whole TikTok genre is exposing WWE um, behind the scenes.
0: I, I spend way too much time on TikTok.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> addicting. It really is. And they know what you're into, and they just show you more. Oh more God, of his... yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You get the same videos over and over. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because they, I guess they like know, like, oh, he uh, stopped at this one, and he uh spent he watched seventy percent of it. Let's show him more. Uh, ducks having babies videos. He's just really Dude, into watching ducks have babies, you know?
0: Yeah, Big Brother's watching. And it's like I, I was looking at a restaurant menu, and then I went to my Facebook feed. What do you think happened?
1: You got the, you got the restaurant menu? Yeah. You, got, you
0: got, the, got the restaurant ads right there. Ready to go.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you just talk about things, and it comes out. You know, speaking of social media, you know what we got to stop doing? Uh, I'm not impressed about people talking about how they're verified now. Okay. Don't don't want to hear it. Yeah, I also have money in my bank account.
0: I'm (laughs) verified.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can just buy it. That's true. That's true. It's not impressive anymore. You know, it's like, yes, you subscribe to Netflix. So you're going to make a post about that too. But look,
0: I will tell you this like, when I go, we talked about this last week. I go on Twitter. I pretty much, for the most part, I go over to the for you section because I feel like what I'm going to Twitter for outside of looking at my mentions. I can pretty much just get in the For You category.
1: Yeah, and so like if I miss
0: something, good. like, like look, Mondays and Wednesdays, I go to Jedi Goodman's feed because I'm going to get every notable content from Ariel's show right there. I don't have to go to MMA fighting. I just go to Jedi Goodman's feed. He's going to let me yeah. know whatever I need to know what happened on Ariel's show.
1: I always see his stuff on my For You page. Always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good.
0: Like, it's I know there's, there's people out there who probably hate that For You page. I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I just I think the one thing that they should bring back is you should be able to rank your friends, uh, like in MySpace. I really wish I could rank people.
0: Give you, you top know? eight.
1: Yeah, top eight. You know, yeah. Jimmy's in the in the in the in the doghouse. He's out of my top eight. Uh, that would be great. We should bring that back.
0: Be, well, you want to put some music videos? Uh, you know, so people know what you're listening to.
1: I want some Blink One Eighty Two to play when you get on my Facebook page. Yes, yeah. They should. They should. Facebook should have done that for April Fools, where you logged on to Facebook and it was just a MySpace layout. I
0: I stayed away from social media on April Fool's Day because, well, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. because you,
0: know. you just know, you, you know what's going to happen
1: that day. Did they not sell the WWE on April Fool's Day? No, that was the day after, right?
0: I think that's. Isn't that was it that Saturday night when the CNBC article initially came out?
1: Yeah, so I guess you could say that happened around April Fool's, which is on Saturday.
0: Uh, but yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how many people from the UFC end up on the board of that company. got I think Dana White, Hunter Campbell, would got to be two of them. Yeah. I just wonder who else would potentially be on that board.
1: Because it's going to be, what, five WWE people, six Endeavor people? Yes. Yeah.
0: So, obviously, with WWE, you know, Vince, Nick Khan would be two of them. I would think Triple H would be a third.
1: I don't know if Triple H should be on that board. I think it would probably be those people he brought in. He brought in two people that got fired that were really high up there. I don't even okay. know what their names were. But I don't know if Triple H should be on that board. But it kind I- of feels like... I feel like Triple H low-key might lead the WWE. Like, I'm getting that feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I did hear someone say, and they were talking about, like, what would be potentially if there were any changes in the UFC, and one of the things was, like, why not have entrances like we have in the WWE? I would love to see that. I would love to see that for UFC fighters. But I just don't think that goes along with the principles of what the UFC is, because it's about those three letters. It's not about the fighters.
1: Yeah, 100%. They, I... uh they have gone away from that, right? You look at the – to bring it full circle, you look at the small per- percentage of the UFC 42 clip they played at the um, countdown show, and you just saw the pyro and the fireworks and the way the arena was presented. The UFC has already done this type of thing, and they have strayed away from that. It is very much um, – selling the brand not the fighter
0: yeah i mean but like you look at bellator it's more about selling the fighter than it is selling the brand
1: yeah you love i love to see bellator's presentation they do a great job Ryzen obviously in japan they value that presentation Mm -hmm. so much Um, they do a great job i can't really remember too many great 1fc entrances but i'll be paying attention to that going forward uh pfo does a fine job they just haven't really had um, too many people with elaborate entrances but i don't think they would shy away from it
0: yeah i don't think but, they would either no
1: yeah bill tor does a really good job
0: yeah i mean but i mean that's that's think, the one thing WWE yeah. does a great job is a, is a presentation of, of the performers
1: yeah the other thing they do a good job of is celebrity integration i mean it's like mm-hmm. bad bunny logan paul They've done a good job of getting people from casuals to know about their product. So those are two things they can learn from for sure. And I'd be interested to see if Pat McAfee makes his way to the UFC broadcast. He's one hell of a broadcaster. I know he's got 47 jobs.
0: If you were go, if the UFC ever truly did do a alternate broadcast, like, you know, we've seen like with the Manning cast and then you got the uh, the Michael K. A-Rod one for baseball, Pat McAfee would probably be a, a good person to put in that role as as a quarterback and then you kind of surround him with some you know very with his crew and some may fires that would make sense
1: Pat McAfee Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker there you go
0: (laughs) but now as Brock's heel can you really do that
1: yeah that's true yeah yeah, he probably can I mean I don't know Brock Brock wouldn't be down to do that he's I feel you know who I think
0: would fit in well with the mcafee crew because i think he could probably do a good job
1: dc who oh yeah yeah dc's really good i mean dc's a real fitted oh. type of guy no
0: no 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 you know who needs to be on that mcafee crew
1: who to tie oh
0: yeah mcafee loves yeah. a cup of beer could you imagine those two doing shoeys i feel like pat mcafee would do a shoey
1: 100 percent. he's probably done one before I'm sure i feel like his whole
0: crew would do a shoey
1: yeah, especially as a punter, as a punter, he's got to. Yeah, man, that's crazy that Pat McAfee was a punter in the NFL, and that's gonna be like the fifth most relevant thing that he did in his life.
0: Yeah, yeah, you think about you know, mo- you know, a guy that no one would take a chance on when he retired and outside a bar stool, and look where he's at now. It's crazy
1: on game on game day, host his own radio show, WWE commentator, WrestleMania wrestler. Jeez Louise! Is he is he technically on the feet of WrestleMania still?
0: Or did he actually lose, lose that match against Vince when we had a second match in one night?
1: I think he lost that match to Vince. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember that was awful. That is what I do remember. And Vince had surprisingly a different hair color at that time. I don't know what happened.
0: I don't know. No one cares. There's no one in that inner circle that knows how to tell Vince. Vince, you look like a creep.
1: Yep, he does. And it looks. Just, I mean, it looks
0: like he. There, is there an Adams Family remake going on right now? And Vince is like the starring role in it.
1: Yeah, dude. I think everyone had the same thought. He looks like um, Gomez. Uh, he looks like a, a villain, a soap opera star. It's crazy. I can't believe he has the mustache. There has to be something behind it because it is so obviously the worst facial hair choice I've ever seen. And he just went
0: after it. I mean, and, eye, someone, and, and he's colored in the eyebrows too. That was the other thing that stuck out to me about that.
1: Yeah, how are you use so rich? get you you do that with your face. I don't know. Yeah, I wish
0: I had those problems.
1: Same I
0: wish there. I had those problems.
1: We'll get here too. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we'll get there, buddy. One podcast at a time. <laughs> maybe you maybe you could put some money down on a. On a Masters bet, and he can you can make some money.
0: There's probably some Masters prop bet out there about one of the live golf fighters. One, oh, fighters! One of the, <laughs> the live golf uh, players wins the Masters this
1: week. Yeah, well, camp Cam Smith is actually pretty good at golf still, so he might might win it. Uh, yeah, but I think he pretty much.
0: Is, I, I I saw a clip where he basically admitted, "Yeah, the best players are on live."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't compete that often. Like there aren't that many events that have happened in a oh, while, so oh, oh. yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a Homo sapien, I'm a homosexual. Give me Max Homa, I love Max Homa. I hope he wins. I was
0: I, I watched that Netflix documentary. I thought that was great. And when I went, the thing is when I went to the PGA event that was here, it's just I was like, they make this game look so easy, and it's not.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I i'm scared of whenever i transition to planet golf which will probably happen in 10 years i'm gonna suck so bad
0: it's the most frustrating game ever damn but guarantee you, you're gonna hit the best shot on hole 18. and yeah. it lose you back in
1: just like vegas huh yeah it's, it's the way it works man it's the way it works
0: but uh, we do appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, new episodes come out uh, every Wednesday and Sunday. We'll have a new episode on Sunday. Got lineups made for Friday, so be on the lookout for that. Of course, uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that to uh, show your support for the podcast. And that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast.